Hey friends, Corey Ferger here of the Servings Podcast. I'm excited to kick off this month's episode. We have an incredible special guest, someone I can't wait for y'all to hear um, her thoughts and her heart on school nutrition. She is uh, such a prominent figure, um, not just in the Southeast, but nationwide as it relates to school nutrition. Again, Karen Halford of Gwinnett County uh, Public Schools. Um, the challenge here is we had a little bit of uh, audio issues during the conversation. Again, at this point, uh, if you're listening to this is our 19th episode, I don't think you're here for the audio quality necessarily. However, I want to give you a little bit of that warning on the front end. Um, there's just a few parts throughout where you'll see it just kind of skips. That's a connection issue. We're still um, recording these uh, remotely, um, but it doesn't detract away from what Karen's saying and what, again, what her heart is um, on some really cool discussion topics and conversations. So I don't want to, I don't want to uh, take away from this episode anymore. I can't wait for y'all to hear what she has to say. And without further ado, here's Karen Helford. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Servings Podcast, a podcast dedicated specifically to school nutrition. We have a truly special guest on the pod this month. Her work and the influence she has on school nutrition, not just in Georgia, but nationwide, is significant. Um, When trying to find a way to describe her program, the best I could come up with was to refer refer to it as the uh, shining city on a hill. Um, She is the Director of School Nutrition in Gwinnett County Public Schools, the largest county in Georgia. And even if you've never directly interacted with her, Karen's work and efforts have been felt and replicated all across the Southeast. Karen Halford, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Sure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, um, we're glad to have you. We've got... um, We've got so many, um, we've got, again, we're going to have a large number of people tuning in and listening to this podcast to learn more about Gwinnett and, and what y'all are doing to, uh, in school nutrition and becoming uh, leaders nationwide in certain, concept, in certain concepts and problem solving. Um, however, we always start with the most burning question on this podcast, and that is, what are you currently binge watching on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime? YouTube TV, Apple TV, regular cable. I'm sure I'm leaving like some platforms off. Karen, what are you watching these days? Yeah, I love this question. It's so cute. And it's very telling about a person, I'm sure. (laughs) Sure. Um, (laughs) Right now, I am obsessed with um, Get Organized, the home edit on Netflix. Are you familiar? Is that the one with the gal who comes in and like you have to like, justify why something's there and maria <laughs> maria, Con- maria it's the new it's the new version so okay. it's it's clea and joanna and yes they come in and they turn a closet or a space or a drawer upside down and they leave it looking beautiful and organized and yes i've been going closet to closet and drawer by drawer in my house after watching this show so it's fantastic oh yeah it's um it's crazy to think like it's just become natural, but whatever um, you're interested in, whatever you enjoy watching, you can find, you know, TV shows, documentaries, movies on that specific topic, i.e. getting organized. Um, Yes. I mean, it's interesting. That's exactly right. What a world. Um, 
again, I'm old enough to remember changing the channel on my TV with a, you know, a dial that clicked. So, (laughs) um, yeah, that's, that's great. I'll have to check it out. Like that's again, admittedly, um, that's not naturally one of the shows I would, I would gravitate to myself. However, I find myself like once I'm into like something like that, I'm always just like fascinated by, you know, something like that, like the problem solving aspect of it. I know we're going to talk a lot about problem solving here, but, um, the creativity around those, those topics. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, you know, I joke, I, I fight hoarding tendencies myself. So I might be able to learn <laughs> a thing or two. Well, you should check out the show then for sure. Absolutely. So everybody it's what get organized and it's on Netflix. You said, yes, yes. There you go. Everyone listening. If you want to know what, if you want to watch what Karen's been watching, get organized, um, check it out. So, Karen, now that we have the most important question of the day out of the way, um, it's all smooth sailing from here. Okay, great. <laughs> so we have a, a number of great spaces and arenas to explore today. And again, I'd like to start with your story and your experience in school nutrition. Um, you studied nutrition sciences at Georgia State University, but there's a little bit to your story between graduation and your current role as director, um, again, for the largest county in Georgia. Uh, would you mind sharing a little bit about your journey with our listeners and, and what brought you to school nutrition? Sure. Yeah. So, yep. I'm a registered dietitian first and foremost. Um, And when I started out, my first job as an RD was in a clinical setting. I worked at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta um, and I worked specifically with cystic fibrosis. Um, So it was a great job. It was, you know, inpatient and outpatient and I absolutely loved it. And I did that for about five years. Um, And then I just sort of you know, started to get a little bit antsy and a little bit, you know, things were becoming a little too routine. Um, And so I stumbled across this position um, here in Gwinnett and it was for a menu planner coordinator. Um, And I didn't know anything about school nutrition, you know, except for the little, the the piece that I had during my internship, which, you know, was just a little bit. Um, So I just applied and um, yeah, never looked back. Yeah. I mean, I'm always fascinated by the the paths and the journey that people take to where they are presently. And, and rarely, and I'm trying to think back, there's not too many folks that we've had on here that, that I've spoke to that said, hey, out of school or, you know, wherever the, the professional journey started, it was with school nutrition in mind. And it seems that um, school nutrition attracts and um, almost encourage a certain sort of personality traits and um, compassionate people to the industry. Mm-hmm. And um, I know, again, when I was kind of looking back at your your background and seeing that you came from um, CHOA or Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, I mean, it just seems to make sense that school nutrition would um, would be a step along your path. Yeah, yes. So, I've always said, I think school nutrition is the best kept secret for dietitians. And it might not be much of a secret nowadays because there's so many of us who work in school nutrition. But when I came, had any friends or colleagues that I knew that, that were working in school nutrition. Um, and yeah, I just fell in love. And, it, and it's, it's everything. It's, you know, you still have a little bit of clinical, you know, with our kiddos who have special dietary needs or allergies. Um, you have the business side, you have the creative side with menus, of course, learned all about procurement. 
Um, so I just, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, it's just a little bit of everything wrapped into one. Well, that's, uh, it's, it's incredible to hear you describe it that way, because uh, again, I, I think it's exceptionally well said, and I, I, I don't think you could be any more right if you tried. So <laughs> keeping with the tone and context setting, um, Karen, would you mind sharing with our listeners just how large Gwinnett County Public Schools are? I mean, specifically, how many schools, kitchens um, you're responsible for and how many kids y'all feed on a regular basis? Sure. Yep. So we have in Gwinnett around 180,000. Um, actually looking to gain around three school year. So it's oh, Wow. moment we have, yeah. 134 schools that have, they eat at their own full production kitchen. Um, so we don't transport school uh, food from school to school. They all have, you know, full production kitchens, um, a manager, an assistant manager, a full staff, and 134 locations. And then we actually have a brand new high school opening in the fall. So that will be 135. Uh, and we do currently um, about 164,000 meals a day. And that's breakfast and lunch. And we've got a few more days of school, uh, I think four more days here in Gwinnett. And so we're on pace to do about 30 million meals uh, for this school year. Wow. Wait, say that again. 30 <laughs> million meals? Yep, 30 million. And that's that's pretty much on pace with, with pre-pandemic you know, numbers as well. So we're, yeah, we're very proud of those numbers. And again, I just want to, you know, kind of reference that back because sometimes it's easy for us to gloss over numbers. Um, 180,000 students is mm -hmm. the is the size of the population of Chattanooga. Okay, Chattanooga's wow. Population is 181,000 <laughs> people. So y'all serve the same number of kids that would encompass all of Chattanooga. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot. I can't I can't even reference what 30 million meals is. I mean, like I have no nothing that I can tie that to. 134 schools is just mind-boggling to me. So um, when it comes to uh, meeting some challenges, and this is not to take away from anybody else's challenges, um, these challenges are uh, exaggerated to an exponential degree. Mm -hmm. um, Karen, what's that like? I mean, and again, I know that's such a like generic, like throwaway question, but truly when it comes to, hey, we're having challenges with supply chain, on the, the size of and the scale that y'all are operating under, um, I'm assuming there's a certain amount of creativity that happens when it comes to moving a, a big ship that quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, in school nutrition, you know, of course, no matter the size of the district, we all have the same challenges um, and obstacles just on different scales, um, like you said. So, you know, of course, you know, with 134 locations and this many meals and this many students, we have a team to support that. So, you know, we're a large district. We have a, you know, a nice size central office. Um, we have a lot of, you know, great team members and a field team. Um, but it, it can sometimes feel like it's hard to get your arms around sure. um, because there's just we, we can't be out in every location every single day. And that's sometimes what you feel it would take. Um, to get the job done really, really well. Um, but we just do the best that we can. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have, you know, team members who cover different areas of the program and, you know, I'm here. And then I have, you know, my boss, who's our executive director. 
Mr. Ken Yant and coordinators and a field team. And um, we just all do our part and it all seems to come together. Well, and what, I, what I'm hearing you say in that is simply um, it takes a team, right? And, and whether yes. you're a big county, small county or something in between, um, the reliance on, on your teammates and your team members to uh, have everybody pulling in the same direction, having the same goals and having transparency around those goals is probably pretty crucial. Absolutely. Well, yes. Karen, I, I, this kind of transitions into, um, I don't want to say a morbid curiosity, but I'm, I'm sure there's an interesting story or two here. So I, I know every school nutrition program has faced some challenges um, over the last two years, and, and probably everyone has something unique or, or something that they had never seen before. But again, with a program of your significant size and some of the unique and specific challenges that would come with that, um, what were some of the more daunting challenges um, that the Gwinnett team faced? And, and I mean, what did it look like, you know, kind of start to finish taking that on? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a, a, a lot that happened in a very <laughs> short period of time. Um, I think yeah. the, the, the biggest shift for us or, you know, pivot, as we all like to say, um, was our was our serving model. You know, we're used to, you know, serving lines and, and you know, helping they're being served and selecting their on and all that went out the window and, you know, and suddenly we're offering meals. So that's a change all in its own with how are you getting meals up? How are you packaging? How are you know, being handed off? How are you, you know, accounting for those meals? Um, and then the next thing we knew was our superintendent wanted meals delivered to neighborhoods and to homes, you know, via buses. Um, for those kids who couldn't make it up curbside. Um, so yeah, our, our whole service method was flipped upside down. And, you know, what's so interesting is it was such a challenge and there were so many unknowns, but at the same time, we're thinking to ourselves, this is such a wonderful opportunity in a way, like the silver lining, because our meals that normally only our students get to see are now suddenly going into the homes and parents are seeing it, grandparents are seeing it, siblings are seeing it. So what a wonderful opportunity for us to grow our program, for us to gain new customers, for us to gain trust and for our meals to really shine. So, and that was a, that was a struggle for us because we, we, you know, we need, we needed to get the meals out there and where they needed to be. Um, but at the same time, we still wanted them to be delicious and beautiful and packaged properly and tasty and all those things because we didn't want to lose customer trust and we wanted yeah. to pick up as many customers as we could. So it's just a very interesting time. No, and, and it's very well said. And I think you um, you positioned it in a, in a very interesting way in the sense that there was a, a silver lining opportunity here throughout that whole process. And that was an opportunity to do something great, right? Yes. And yes. I've heard Arnold Palmer some years ago reference something along the lines of, had he never hit a bad golf shot? And again, anyone listening at this point knows I'm a golfer. Um, so I reference golf quite a bit. But again, he said, if I had never hit a bad golf shot, I never would have had the opportunity to hit these heroic shots that I'm sort of known for. And so had there not been that challenge, um, facing school nutrition, there never would have been the opportunity to, again, 
show the world, if you will, what school nutrition is truly made of. And um, y'all, y'all shine so bright over the last couple of years. And, and again, that's not a surprise to anybody who, who knows what you do day in, day out. But um, it was an opportunity for the rest of the world to see it. Absolutely agree. It, it was definitely to celebrate. It was an opportunity for us to shine. Yeah. And for everybody to see what we knew we were doing on a daily basis. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, transitioning from challenges in the past to maybe current present day challenges. Uh, I know there are a number of directions this question discussion could go, but from Gwinnett's standpoint, what do you see as the most immediate challenge or greatest threat to your efforts around feeding children in, in your communities? Uh, for next school year. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, you know, there's a, you know, a huge part of us that's very excited about transitioning back and sort of getting back to this new normal. Um, and I, I think that, you know, the biggest thing that we're trying to think through is helping our parents and our students transition. So we feel like it's going to be a huge shift have meals and now we're saying it and we're marketing it and you know making it public information and all those things we just really worry about that are going to miss that piece of information and they're going to be surprised that meals are being offered by eligibility moving into next school years so we we don't want there to be any gaps continue to collect free and reduce applications um, over the past two years, because we wanted our customers and our in that habit of filling out that form, because we knew this day would eventually come. Um, so we we saved ourselves probably a little bit of ground, but just really making sure that this summer that well, you know, that you've we're transitioning back. Um, meals will be eligibility. You know, we've got to have our families who need it filling out the free and reduced form so that they can um, you know have meals without any interruptions and any as we had in the next school year. I yeah, and it's, um, again, it's such a great segue because one of the things that y'all, um, I want to say, are known for, because, again, 30 million meals might be more important than this, but something that, that I admire greatly with the efforts coming out of Gwinnett County School Nutrition Program is the way that y'all reach folks, specifically the space you carved out uh, on social media with Cafe Gwinnett. So again, I, I don't, I'm not trying to blow smoke here, but I am, I'm not sure I've seen another program own this space quite as well as Gwinnett has. Um, and so I'm sure some of that messaging is going to come through those platforms and come through, um, um, come through some of those uh, different mediums, if you will. But could you share a little bit maybe where Cafe Gwinnett come from maybe some of the intentionality around the content that's posted there and, and maybe just a, a quick sort of baseline what cafe Gwinnett is we appreciate it um but we are <laughs> we're on um at cafe Gwinnett is our social media handle and we're on facebook and we're on instagram um and we've been on there for a handful of years now and we um of course you know sort of d- developed ourselves over time um, and develop that space. Um, but from the get-go, we really had two different ideas for those two platforms. Um, and we've stuck with that model. But Facebook geared towards our uh, parents and our adult 
So we post in a very specific way on that platform and has always been reserved specifically for our students. So you'll see, look at the, you know, it may be the same topic that we're talking about on, on both platforms, but the way we, we use the visual and the way that we're, you know, talking to the audience and things, they have two very personalities. Um, because, you know, it's, it's different in the way you talk to adults and in the way that you talk to our kids. And we really want a space on Instagram where we could, you know, our, our kiddos on there and we could, you know, start to build our brand and build trust with them, a little bit of fun, um, market our program, um, and just that, that engagement was so important. So, and that's actually worked. Platform, you know, they, they, they follow us, they send direct messages um, that I respond to long, you know, games and contests. Um, and, <laughs> I'm, you know, they're seeing that this is Cafe Gwinnett, it's the same brand that's in their school. Um, we're showing them what's on the menu, we're showing them new audience to come, we're letting them sort of chime in and give a um, so it's it's pretty amazing how well it's it's worked. Um, and we were pretty floored by the by the fact that they wanted to engage us in that way. Um, so it's yeah. yeah, it's been it's been really good. Well, I, again, it's um, I'm impressed by the intentionality um, behind it, right? The and when I say that, I I mean obviously you've you hit on it, and it it may be the piece that some other folks have missed uh, in the school nutrition side, but the audience is different across those platforms, right? What we're finding is that Facebook is used by um, an older generation, right? Um, I don't want to say by old people, um, but, but kids more aren't mature. necessarily going to, there we go, there we go, um, uh, more experienced people. Um, but the, but our, the children aren't going to Facebook um, nearly as often or as frequently as they're using other platforms, right? And so being able to understand, hey, who is on these platforms and what would be meaningful for those folks to understand about what, you know, the messaging is um, and kind of mirroring those up and making sure that the right message is going to the right people um, mm -hmm. is critical. And yeah. uh, I, that would be my encouragement for anybody in any other programs that are listening here to this conversation is, hey, um, asking those questions of, of the content. Hey, who am I trying to reach? Um, are they on this platform? And is this the right message for for that demographic a great job in delineating the differences between, you know, what's going on on Facebook and what's going on Instagram um, while keeping to that continuity. And I think that's important. I would love to hear um, a little bit of some of those examples that you talked about though, Karen, where um, the same branding that they're seeing on the social media platforms through, you know, Cafe Gwinnett, they're also seeing in the cafeterias. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, before we were ever on social, I think to do is just brand your your program. So we, you know, have a logo. Our cafes are at, are, are called Cafe Gwinnett, um, and we put anything and everything from socks, hats to uniforms to Yetis. I mean, notepads. We <laughs> we brand it all because we want people to continue to see it every. Um, and then it's, you know, it's important time to media where we're doing some really meaningful things. We want to trickle in 
and we, we want that to positively impact um, the relationship that they have with their staff and their schools. Like they want it, we want them to connect it all. That the, the folks in their cafeteria producing their food are also Cafe Gwinnett. The same as you know the 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 person behind the Instagram account is Cafe Gwinnett. So we want it to be very connected, and I think that's important. Like it has to transcend across all of that in order for it to have the the impact that you're looking for, which is customers, you know, to come into our cafeterias and and want to eat with us. Yeah, and it's again, it's great hearing you say that and, and lay that out because, and again, I mean no offense when I say this, it's not a new concept, right? Like some of the the brands that um, we are all most familiar with, they're the brands who have been able to tell that consistent marketing story to us for years, right? And, you know, in our own backyard, I think of Chick-fil-A and yes. the consistency and continuity um, of the messaging that we see across all the different platforms that they, they reach out to us as customers to the experience we have when we go to a Chick-fil-A. And, um, you know, it's just, a, again, it's great seeing how well y'all have, taken that model and that formula and applied it to um, your kitchens and your program in Gwinnett. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course. Well, Karen, last question. So we'll get you out of here on this. Um, as you look back on your career so far in school nutrition and you, you take stock of what you've accomplished and the children you have fed and the jobs that have been created and, and again, everything in between, what is your favorite or your lasting memory of your journey so far? Oh boy. um you know let's see here and i didn't you know mention but actually you know i i i I had literally literally grown up in gwinnett county public schools so i i'm a graduate of gwinnett county and there's a i went to college had my first job and made my way back as an employee in gwinnett county and uh, feels really to be here um, I feel like it's, you know, it's my district, just like, you know, everybody else who, who, you know, it's our district um, and being a student here just makes it that much more special. Um, I got married while working here. I've had a baby while working here um, and have made a really, um, a lot. So I think it's, it's, it's all of it. Um, I don't have just one. And that really stands out. I feel like it's, just all of it. I've been here for 15 um, and just the district's fantastic and the people in our team is is fantastic and I just I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah and again one of the things that I, I just I feel like I hear this a lot right and I, and I there's got to be something to it is it's the people right like we started this conversation talking about people and, and it, it seems apropos that we're finishing the conversation talking about people but um, yeah I mean it, it's it's say, hey, you were given uh, kind of your start um, with your education in, in Gwinnett, and now you're back there helping so many other students kind of continue on their journey. It seems, um, again, it, it's, it's got to be a pretty rewarding feeling to know. And again, yeah. I look at, when I look at these numbers and go 180,000 students, right? Like um, the work of you and your team are, are helping 180,000 students every year um, move along in their journey and in their path. And um, again, I know it's a loaded question that have you distill it down to one, you know, one answer is somewhat ridiculous, but um, I appreciate your, you sharing your heart with that, Karen. 
for. You know, it's important work that we all do. Um, I think, yeah, if, if, if you're in it, um, and that's, you know, that's what makes it so, so great. Of course. Well, Karen, first and foremost, thank you for joining us today. Your expertise, insight, your experience is truly invaluable. And again, it's very much appreciated by our listeners. And while I think it's safe to say that Gwinnett is a program unlike most, um, your best practices can be implemented by everyone listening. Again, and as I say that, check out at Cafe Gwinnett. Um, I think that is the easiest one that can be implemented anywhere. Um, again, I'm a huge personal fan of it. I encourage everyone else to check that out. Um, we have some continued headwinds in school nutrition facing us, but the more that we can look at those challenges with a, the creativity and the out-of-the-box approach that um, the Gwinnett team is, has taken on their challenges, I think the more efficient and effective we will be uh, in the long run. So very few programs can... Again, and this isn't just in the Southeast, this is across the country, can stand on the same footing as Gwinnett. And so, Karen, again, thank you for your willingness to let us get a closer look at, again, what I can only describe as the Shining Program on the Hill. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it very much. I enjoyed this. Well, we're glad to have you, Karen. Thank you so much. And you take care. And again, have a great summer. You too. Thank you.